This is Dale Jr., and you're listening to Dirty Mo Radio. My show is not my show unless I get a good Dale Earnhardt story. And because you and Jeff, whoa, can you think of one? I can yes. tell you a great one. Okay, perfect. He cost me a lot of money, I can tell you that. <laughs> there are a lot of stories about your dad. Welcome to Fast Lane Family with Kelly Earnhardt Miller. Welcome to Fast Lane Family presented by Charlie Soap. Charlie Soap has a solution for every tough cleaning job that you need to tackle. If you want to know more about their products, go to charliesoap.com. And if you like what you see, you can purchase directly from their site or use their store locator to find a retailer near you. This week in studio, I am pleased to have Kim Burton, uh, who is her dad's daughter, (laughs) Jeff Burton's wife, and Harrison and Paige's mom. You have many more roles than that, I'm sure, but (laughs) that probably covers it. Yeah. How are you today? I'm good. Thank you for good. having me. Very excited for you to be here. I appreciate you uh, uh, allowing us to, to have you on today. And, and we just, you know, try to keep it real simple on the show here. So I'm just going to talk a lot, of, hopefully, about a, a lot of family-oriented mm-hmm. things and, and mm-hmm. not a lot of racing. It'll, it'll intertwine just because I know that's all you know, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible not to have something racing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so for the listener's sake, contrary to what people think, you know, all of us in racing, they think that we all know each other. So I'm going to learn today just as well as all of our listeners because I don't know you and Jeff that well, even though I feel like I do because, you know, we run the same circles, but I'm sure we will figure out that we have lots of commonalities after this is all done. But you and Jeff have been together forever since you were 14. Yeah, I'm old. (laughs) (laughs) We're old. No, and I, I, I say that just in a great way because this sport just takes its toll on relationships and to, uh, be married for you know to be together for over 30 years and come through the sport as you guys have you know how have you made that work well you know I think a lot of compromise and um, the main thing is that I always wanted what was best for my husband and he always wants what's best for me so I think when you look at it from that perspective you know it's not always about him and it's not always about me and um and then being able to roll with the punches, <laughs> flexibility, um, for sure. And and I think well, because we started dating when we were so young, and all the changes that you go through, all the metamorphoses that yeah. happen as you age, we were lucky in that our goals, our values, our beliefs all sort of uh, um, grew together mm-hmm. in the same direction. You know, and, and, it, and it comes down to he's an awesome person, an awesome dad, an awesome um, husband, you know, that makes it easy for me. <laughs> I'm sure, I, I'm sure he would say the same about you. So. I don't know, you'll have to ask him. <laughs> we'll have to have him on next to yeah, figure that out. Yeah. So how long were you guys married before you introduced kids to your marriage? Let's see, we got married when we were 23 and Jeff was a rookie when Paige was born the year after he was a rookie in 95. So 95. three years, three about years. three years. Um, but we dated so long before we got married. I was you know, getting ready we, to say, yeah, dated. how long did you date before? Well, wow, we were Goodness. 14. I was 14. He was 15. So we dated. You married when you were 23. Yeah. So, wow. About yeah. 10 years. And yeah. I was about to say to him, I was about to say to him either, hey, either happens or I'm, I spend enough time where <laughs> this isn't going to work out. But he stepped up to the plate. I would think that that probably is the basis for why it works so well, for that long you know, courting yeah. period uh, yeah. and to really figure out the ins and outs and what you like and yeah. you know, that well, you like everything, you know, that you like yeah. most things, I guess. Well, exactly. But <laughs> Nobody's we're, perfect. You know, I mean, when you're 14 and 15, your brain oh. does not work the same as when you're mm-hmm. 25, 35. So, so yes, you're right about that. But I think we had such a foundation. Yeah. And able to see what kind of person you really are marrying. Yeah. You know, and that's why I, now I tell Paige, wait till you're 30. Yeah. You know, don't do, you know. Because it's not the same now. It, it's, it's not, not the, the same, same these days. No, it's not. It's not. She's 19. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, don't don't limit your horizons, yeah. you know, and all of that. I, ha- I was lucky. I, I found my soulmate young. And, and it worked out. Most people don't find that. And most marriages don't. You know, um, if you start that young, yeah. last that long. Exactly. So, I mean, that doesn't mean one is right or one is wrong. Right. It's just the way it it's is. Just the way so. it happens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, did you travel a lot? Let's see. You're. T- let's see. Talking about the '95, you said right? Yeah, 95. he was. A, yeah. So mm-hmm. mid '90s. Well, Paige was born '95. He was a rookie in '94. Got yeah. you. So at that time, th- that was probably 
coming on the scene when the wives were getting more yes. involved. Right? Yes. Um, I remember when Paige was born, the first person in my motorhome we wanted to see was Stevie Waltrip. She knocked on the door. I got to see that baby. Of course, I was in all of them because we were so new. Yeah. You know, and they were so big in the sport. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my gosh. She, she wants to come see my baby. And I'm like, please don't cry. <laughs> you know how they are. They Be don't. on your piece of peace, Paige. Yeah. She's only like Even three weeks old. <laughs> But, um, yeah, you know, and she and she and um, Buddy Parrott's wife, Judy, and some of the others um, explained to me how it was, you know, and how lucky I was coming into it where the motorhome lot was. You know, we were sort of in the beginning the era. Cusp of all of that, right? Yeah. Yeah. In the, yep. yeah. And um, so I never really went to the hotel scene. You know, we went right into a little motorhome. Yep little Winnebago yeah. and you know it and it was it, it made life so much easier I think and more family like um, easier for us to come mm -hmm. where they had you know to sit in the back of a pickup truck or you know it's so difficult for baby you know to have a yeah. baby a toddler I mean what do you do with a toddler all day out of the back of a pickup truck god bless those ladies yes. you know <laughs> agree so yeah so so we were we were on the cusp of that and you know never really looked back we always traveled together we that was our thing we wanted to keep our family unit we felt like if I didn't go then my kids didn't see their dad there was a lot of pressure you know there's a lot of pressure in this sport no matter where you are in the sport, what avenue that you work, whether you're a rookie, uh, a, a mainstay, or whether you're at the end of your career, there's all different pressures. And um, so, ha and you know, uh, having that time together, my, you know, my kids, they had like their friends were at the racetrack, you know, MRO, awesome for them. Yep. And uh, so that's how we did it. We made a priority of that. Did, so did you guys normally travel in with Jeff on the day, you know, yeah. however? And when the kids were little. Yeah. When they got to be school-aged, mm -hmm. it was, okay, now they got to go to school. Right. So. <laughs> that was where I was going next, yeah. is what did you do for school? And, school and, is, you know, yeah. it, we spent a lot of money on airplanes, you know. <laughs> and, and, and that's not, I didn't mean that in a bragging way or anything. No. It that's was how you made the unity. That's yes. the only way that we could make it work because... You know, I wanted them to have a normal school experience. I wanted them to go to school with other kids. It would have been so much easier to have somebody teach them, mm -hmm. you know, homeschool. But um, I knew that for me, my sanity, my kids' sanity, I'm actually a teacher by trade. Oh, really? Math and science. I taught middle school. So it's not that I couldn't have done it. But... Kids don't believe their moms and know anything about schoolwork. No, even kids don't think that their moms know much <laughs> of anything. Period. Do they? <laughs> no. So for me to sit down and teach them, I mean, even the homework now, it's like they think you don't know what you're talking about, mom. But so we really want them to have a regular. So that's what we did. We traveled on Fridays after school. Uh, then when my kids got old enough to do their activities, I became like a ping pong ball. You know. Um, because Jeff had to be where he had to be. So we would go to Harrison's quarter midget race or Paige's horse show or sometimes a quarter midget race and a horse show in the same weekend and then fly in Sunday morning or Saturday night to Jeff's race to be there with him. I just always tried my best, even though sometimes it couldn't logistically happen because Harrison was racing for championships or something on that Sunday. But that, you know, we really tried to always be at, for me to be at his race as well. So he didn't feel like Nobody kicked to the curb, right? right? <laughs> Where is my family? My wife, my kids, nobody loves me yes. anymore. <laughs> so did you, you have grandparents and such on the outside to help kind of manage yes, all of that? I did. So that everybody also, got their yes, peace. Um, <laughs> I also had two wonderful women who worked with me for years one lady named janet forrester who was like a second grandmom to my kids she her husband drew, drove our motorhome okay and so it's perfect she was there at the racetrack and then um when her husband her husband passed away we um had another lady named bonnie dyer who now works for katie kenza okay i introduced them and so she's continued her career yes path. NASCAR nanny, I guess. Yes, yes. <laughs> You know, it's necessary, and people, that's what people ask me all the time. How do you do it? How do you work full time? Yeah. You're raising three kids. You know, you're, you're a wife and, and all yeah. the things that you do, and you have to have a network of people in you your do. life. 
to you help. Do. Um, you know, it takes a village is the, you yes. know, old cliche. <laughs> and, and it's true. And I always think, you know, even if I didn't have all these businesses that I work with and um, all these other things that I do, it's it's good to have a little bit of sanity, to have that break, to go back. I think you're a better mom. Mm-hmm. You know, you're more patient. Um, and things are more clear mm-hmm. if you have that little bit of yourself. You yeah, know? definitely. Yeah. It's hard to make time for yourself. Exactly. It's very necessary. Yes. But hard to do. So that's a great segue into what role did you play in Jeff's career as, as he was a race car driver? Well, um, outside of mom and everything yeah. that you just described. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, for all all of his career, I did all of his financials. I did everything for Jeff Burton Auto Sports, managed all his contracts and that kind of thing, um, sort of behind the scenes. I never really talked about that. But um, yeah, I, never knew that. I never had a business. We never had a business manager. Jeff and I, he would do his own negotiations with car owners and uh, businesses. And then I would review the contracts with my, our lawyer and handle all that, handle all the invoices and handle, uh, you know, um, keeping up with what's what. Uh, and, and then at the racetrack, at first I handled all his travel and then it just got to be too much. I was like, okay, I can't keep up with all the business stuff, all my kids stuff, and then your travel schedule and all that. So we, we did have it, uh, our, our marketing agency worked on that. But then at the racetrack, the competitive side of it, in before the computers came out, I timed so many race cars for him, you know. And then when even when the computers came out, before they had the programs mm-hmm. that would track, I would sit and track, you know. The, the screen would come up, but no one would know, okay, if you didn't look at it and write it down, you wouldn't know what happened on, you know, the beginning of the practice, middle of the practice, trends, all of that my math background yep there you go there I go so that's I would do and it was you know it was funny because if you ask Ray Everham he used to listen to our conversations Jeff's and mine during practice to see who was fast because I would Jeff would say well who's fast and you know where am I on the board and blah 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 and I'd give him all my rundown well Ray Everham would always pipe in and say and sometimes every now and then I'd say thanks Kim you know (laughs) (laughs) you know I I heard you I heard you thank you you know so it's different now, engineers and yeah. all that. But during the races for Jeff, up until this year when he was sort of, you know, not, he was like in and out uh, a couple races. But before that, I would be sort of the court reporter on Sunday. So everything that would happen, every, uh, I would time, the, uh, I'd write down the times from the computer so that the crew chief could go back and look what the comments were, who took tires when, because in the heat of the moment, somebody's got to be tracking that so that they know for strategy, uh, who, t- you know, when they pitted, what lap, um, what the weather was, all of that. So just court reporter. Yep. And just kept that. And then I'd give them, we'd, we'd keep that in the, the uh, engineer would scan it in and bring it back for the next race. So Very cool. Yeah. I always knew that you were pretty involved, and, and um, uh, Regan's wife, Megan, yeah. does that for him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of takes notes and assesses all the situation, for really for him to come back and review everything and look and see what was right. going on. But um, Well, and I think, too, it's like having a person on the box who is your advocate? Yes. Not that I ever said a thing to the crew chief. Not that I ever said a thing to anybody. But be a cheerleader outwardly. Mm-hmm. But in in you know in reality, there's not always perfect situations that go on during pit stops. People make mistakes. There's attitudes. Uh, you know, and you can go home and say, okay, this is what I saw. You know, and after the race, as soon as we get in the airplane. The first thing we would do, uh, you know, if something happened, it would be, bah, 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 bah. he and I, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and back and forth. And then when we got to the house, it would be over, you know. We all out. All out. Change. Get it over. It, You know, and then we'd be on to the next day. Get into home life. Yeah. What, some of my favorite times as a young girl was the scoring. Yeah. And, and going up into the scoring ta- uh, scoring place at the time and writing on your sheets of paper and uh, you know writing all the numbers that came up every time your car passed I I had some great times doing that I really loved that that's awesome it was fun 
So you kind of, you, you talked about Jeff's career and, and mm-hmm. last year was his full, last full year. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, a couple part-time mm-hmm. gigs here and there. And, and next year, going to be in the booth with NBC. What has all of that been like for you as the support system for Jeff? Oh, you know, it's been harder for me than him. There were a lot of emotions on how all that played out. You know, it wasn't the way I would have wanted to see it play out. And I don't think it was the way he wanted to see it play out. But, you know, I, our personalities are so different. And he is more objective and analytical. Uh, I have a little bit more Italian, you know, uh, emotion that comes <laughs> into play. Um, uh, and that, you know, for him, it was him. For me, it was my husband. And I think when you, I mean, if someone, if something happens to your husband, it almost makes you more mad than if it happens to you. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. So it's been hard for me. Yeah, I mean, it's been hard for, you know, missing some of the, the, just the whole, that's been our life to do that. It's been great in some respects in that um, this year was Paige's last year of high school. He got to, you know, see her go to the prom for the very first time. He was the commencement speaker at her high school graduation and did a phenomenal job. Uh, I'd never seen that man so, like emotional before a public speaking i didn't think he was going to get through it i was like oh my god i knew i would cry (laughs) i didn't know he was gonna cry (laughs) but he has been able to see harrison and i've really raised harrison in race in in his racing career because jeff's been at his racetrack Mm -hmm. so we would i mean obviously he coached him or but he never really was at the race he would watch the live feed because i was there with him they had like internet, you know, yeah. some of the internet uh, stuff. And so he could watch him race. And he's been actually been able to be totally involved in it a lot this year and see. And, 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 and that's been a blessing. So I have to look back at that and say, you know, that was obviously a positive. But, you know, I mean, I think when it's been your life for 30 years and then it's a change. Anybody that goes through a retirement phase, it's similar. Yeah. Jeff is so lucky in that he's a um, multifaceted person. So for him, he has the chance now to build a different career um, within the sport he loves. Um, and I think that that has helped you know, him make that transition. Whereas if he did not have that to look forward to, it, it, it may difficult. be difficult. Yeah. yeah. H- had he always kind of ha- had his eye on television or how did that come about? Yeah, there's been a lot of things that people have thrown at him. He's really, really, really good at getting into a, uh, say, a race team and finding what their weaknesses are, and you know, giving direction if the people will listen to him. <laughs> you know, I never know that. You know, that's that's another the side point. of the story, right? Right, right exactly. <laughs> but and working with people, he's so objective, and he's really good at getting people to understand what he's talking about. You know, um, and and he's objective about himself, which I think that. That makes sense. So, so people had often thought he might, you know, be running a race team or something like that. So, and there's been a lot of people that have wanted to run for office somewhere. They, they call him the mayor. Yeah, and they in our industry. And I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't know if I want him to run for office. Yeah, there's a lot that goes back to the family. Yeah, I think if he, if he's that objective, I don't know that politics would suit him. The the politics of today, right? Right. Well, <laughs> I think though, Ooh. I think what they need is somebody more like that. No, that? they do. That's no, they definitely do. Yeah. But I just don't think that certainly one person right. can spur that change. But right. it would probably be a long time. Oh right. It, before, in the ge- oh for, yeah, in I the know big, it, yeah, you know in I mean? the big picture. Yeah, no question. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah, yeah they, they certainly need more objective people in <laughs> politics. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, but um, and then and then of course, television. I mean, he does such a good job. Um, but I think what what he's able to do is bring some, um, like I said, his objective opinion. But he is an educated person in his sport. He does never stop learning. He's always talking to people and figuring out what's the next step and um and i think that our sport sort of needs that right now we need a fresh 
look at it. Yeah, I think it's going to be very exciting. I was sitting, I've sat through several of the NBC presentations um, mm -hmm. as they have been uh, going around Charlotte Race Week and, and telling the teams and whatnot about what they're looking forward to and how it's going to work. And Rick Allen's talking about getting to know Steve and Jeff, yep. and, and they're going to be spending a lot of time together over the next several months just yeah. recalling old races and kind of right. getting their getting their patterns down. Right, and I think they're going to call current races fake ones. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. You know, yeah. so they'll yeah. be watching the real yeah. race and calling it and do a fake race. Oh, yeah. cool. That's cool. So I think it's, uh, and no disrespect to anyone who's in the field doing that today. Oh, no, no, no. I don't But mean that. Jeff and Steve, having worked right up into driving race cars and crew chiefing race cars, their perspective is going to be great. Right. Um, I, yeah. I think so. And so uh, relative. Um, and they get along really well. And Rick is great. I, I love. I do too. You know, I like I him. Think, I think his voice is, is so, you know, cool but he, he i enjoy his personality yeah i haven't gotten to know um steve that well yet yeah he's so, a great personality too but i know so. jeff is has and yes. he really really likes him yeah he he's, says he's, he's gonna be funny yes he is <laughs> it's gonna offer a they're just all gonna be the, great perspective yeah and the thing that i like is the nbc's thought processes mm -hmm. and what their what their goals are i think everyone will be refreshed in that they're going they're looking at the whole sport mm -hmm. and highlight they're not going to they're going to highlight the whole sport mm -hmm. so I, i'm real excited for it as yeah, well Yeah, that's exciting so you mentioned Paige and mm -hmm. into equestrian yep. and horse so talk about how long she's been doing that and what you guys do she uh i think her third word was horse <laughs> <laughs> no kidding <laughs> she at three i want to ride a horse i want to ride a horse i want to ride a pony of course, they didn't let you. I mean, I'm sure people who have them on farms, but when you want to, you don't know anything about it, yeah. and you want to go, uh, you have to go to a facility, and they they require you to be five. So at five, she did the lead line, and then from then on, she's just been loving it. We sort of did a backyard thing in our own backyard with her pony, and she learned how to jump, and and then this whole new show world opened up for us. I had no idea. You know, it's sort what of that encompassed, right? <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh! And now um, we have fourteen horses. Fourteen. Mm -hmm. Some retired, and I, we have uh, twenty horses on our farm. We have six uh, ponies that uh, another lady boards with us, and we show all over the East Coast. We show at the the double A shows, which is the top level. You know, Paige is just, she's done real well. So educate me in what showing a horse is. What types Okay, of so when you go to a horse show, there's all different things. There's I'm Western, just used to rodeos. So. Right. And, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, and, and I did a little bit of that, not in any that level. I just did it at uh, Kyle Petty's charity. Okay. It was a blast. <laughs> I said, I could, I could. You could get into this. Cutting horses <laughs> and we did cutting and we did uh, the spinning, the reining. And we did the, what is it, when you gallop and slide and stop? I don't know. Well, I yeah. was just doing what the guy told Keeps me to me. do down there because <laughs> I didn't know Western. But it was a blast. I thought that was so fun. But what we do is call hunter jumpers. And um, if you ever watch the Olympics where they do those huge jumps and mm -hmm. they jump a series of obstacles mm -hmm. and they do it for time. Well, that's jumpers. Then there's another side of that and it's called hunters. Paige does both. I've done a little bit of jumpers, but mostly hunters. And in the hunters, you jump for, uh, you, you can jump big jumps, big wide jumps. They are solid. There's no, like, they're not necessarily rails. They're big solid boxes or brush or something. Um, and you jump a series of jumps. It's every step is choreographed. Uh, how many steps between the jumps is choreographed. Wow what foot they land on after the jump is choreographed and and it, they grade you sort of like ice skating okay and they give you a score and uh pages uh and that of course there's equitation which is what your body looks like over the jump what your body looks like in the saddle where your feet are where your hands are and there's hunters and 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 hunters that are on the horse and the rider so the the horse actually gets graded on how he tucks his legs over the jump. Wow. It's it's So what is the training process for that? How many hours a oh week gosh. does she spend on that? <laughs> well, she's in college right now, so we're taking so her slack. <laughs> yeah. But hours. I mean, every day I'm home and the weather's good, I'm on at least two or three of my horses. Wow. And um 
page as, as was as well when she was at home. Um, but you don't jump every day. Um, you, you train them on flat work and a lot of dressage training, um, which keeps their, uh, which gets them so strong and be able to jump. Um, but it's very complicated. There are a lot of similarities, though, to racing. You know, your line, mm -hmm. <laughs> the line around the racetrack and, and your track, your track for a horse is similar. And But different process when you're not doing the jumpers, you're doing the hunters. you got to slow your brain down. Everything's got to be slow. Very cool. Sounds, yeah. sounds really cool. It's a lot of fun, but I tell you, it's definitely a lot of work. Lot of work. Mm -hmm. And I told Jeff, you know, he, he, you don't put the the horse away in the shop and go on vacation. Right. They still have to eat. <laughs> they still have to be taken care of. That's what I tell my kids about animals. Exactly. You know, everybody wants a dog and a cat. And I'm like, yeah, and they still are work, you know? know. Like when you're off running around to your friends, yeah. there's still a dog here that needs some attention. Exactly. <laughs> my 14-year-old, you know, the social calendar right now is oh. anytime she can stay away from home. And I'm like, you... You just don't yeah. get it. You leave too much. We're not going to do that. Everybody's yeah. wanting a dog right now. So, <laughs> Well, I, I actually, we have three, and my husband, I don't know what's happening, midlife crisis or something. He's getting a baby puppy in another week, and I'm oh, like, goodness. you're getting up with it. <laughs> yeah, crying in the middle of the night. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so do you have a pretty good big staff that helps you with the horses? Um, we do. Um, I have We have trainers that we train with at the horse show. They're um, some of the top trainers in the country um, but they don't train us at home I have a uh, Lorna Conway works with us at home um, and she is a rider herself she does a lot of amazing flat work on the horses um, and then helps keep us in shape for when we go and then we have another lady that comes in Anthal and clinics but yeah yeah very, very interesting yeah, it's... Um, I think horses, uh, they have such beautiful personalities. Oh, my gosh, they're all so different. They're mm -hmm. just like people. Yes. My, I mean, my teddy is like a teddy bear Yes. for me, but not for everybody right. else. Right, You know, I mean, he is very suspect of mm -hmm. anybody new, and he'll let you know... <laughs> <laughs> they they really know mm -hmm. they they really learn their their owner and really know oh yeah and I mean. some of them are much more attached mm -hmm. than others teddy is like in my pocket i mean if i walk in the barn his head is out like where is my mom <laughs> you know and but he wraps me around his finger he knows but you know he's not stupid <laughs> he's <laughs> like she's got the treats yeah but i and i ride him every day i'm the one that rides him every day but they're all different. I have some that are, and he can be wild. He can be crazy. I have some that are really wild, some that are really calm. I have some that, you know, and the funniest thing, when Jeff retired, before he retired, he said, oh, I'm going to, um, I'm going to learn how to jump a horse in three weeks. I can do it. No question. I said, oh, you can. I said, okay, let's get your insurance paid up. I said, okay, all right, you're going to learn to do that. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, Okay. But I don't have a horse that I would, like, set him on right now. I'm like, okay, they're all too valuable. You can't screw my horses up. <laughs> oh, One no. bad I'm act to, with them, right? I, right. Well, it can They'll be messing them up, right. Well, anybody um, that knows anything about horses, if you get a horse scared of doing their job, that's a bad yeah, you know, that's a bad recipe. But I need to go find him one, right? <laughs> one that he's not going to go to the show for us and say, okay, now you're going to learn on this one. <laughs> I recall some stories about my dad uh, like that. You know, they can do anything, and then oh, yeah. they don't realize really what they're saying that they can do. <laughs> I tried to get Harrison to learn how to ride instead of race because yeah. I was like, you know, two kids doing the same thing. So he 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 just do a little trotting around on the on Paige's pony. It was awesome. And then he ended up, uh, oh, I want to jump a jump. So I put this tiny little, I mean, like barely, like three Once inches off, off the ground. The ground. <laughs> okay, and I held the lead rope. I said, you just hang on. I'll show you what it feels like. Well, I thought my horse was just going to trot over it. Well, he hopped it. And he hopped it. Harrison flew forward, flew back, barely hung on. I'm <laughs> grabbing him. And then I grab him. And I look at him. He goes, whoa, like that. He looks at me with these big eyes. And he says, I don't think I need to do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Harrison. How did he get involved in, in or when did he start racing? Oh, well, when he was two, he, I mean, fascinated with race cars, fascinated with anything with wheels, really. And so we got him one of those little um, battery-powered mm -hmm. cars. It was a, like a, a, looked like a little F1 car, yep. you know. 
And he would go, probably a lot of the older guys will remember, he would go around the motorhome lot and I mean wear the wheels off of that thing. He was like three. And eventually he did. He wore the wheels off of it. So when uh, we, we said, well, we, he said, I want to go faster. I want to go faster. And we said, I don't think there's anything out there faster when he was four. So Jeff started looking into it and he, he did go-karts as a kid. And I said, oh no. I said, not my little Harrison is getting into something with no <laughs> seat belts. And I saw, I've seen those. Mm -hmm. They can flip with the kid flies out. I just couldn't take it. I'm like, I don't need that stress. Find me something else. So he went out and he found quarter midgets. And at five, Harrison was his first race because they don't let you race before you're five. And he ended up, uh, you know, just doing awesome. And so... You know, we didn't do anything big with him, but then a couple years later, he had moved up the, the speed, of, you know, the different divisions mm -hmm. in quarter midgets. And he's like, yeah, he said, I, I really want to run for this championship. I said, what championship? He's like, there's championship, national championship. So he said, but, you know, you know, I, you know, it's on the weekends. And, and I'm like, what? So anyway, he came to me and he said, I, you know, can't, will you do this for me, mom? And. So I looked, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's California. You have to, I was going to say, you have to travel United States. It's, it's a everywhere. big deal. And um, and I said, okay. I said, but if you're going to do this, we're going to really do it. You're going to practice. It's going to be a big deal. You know, take you're going to take. Yeah. He did, and he won He won the Grands. Jo Joey Logano won the Grands. They talk about him. Dude. Harrison won that Grands as a, as a junior. And then he won three national titles um USAC nas national titles so that's how he got started and then you know he sort of had done so much in quarter midgets there wasn't really anything else for him to accomplish there so he was 11 and Jeff said I'm going to put him in a stock car and I said are you crazy no <laughs> you're not he was 11 and a half it was the summer and Jeff had run the Denny Hamlin late model race and that was going to be Harrison's car, that late model. And so I, I Harrison was just, he was just so excited and just loving every second of it. And they, watching Jeff race in that car, that was going to be his car. And so that summer, they put him in the car at Ace. And I, I just, I just couldn't even, it just made me sick to my stomach. I mean, first of all, I didn't know I was going to learn how to shift <laughs> because, I mean, you know, it's, they don't shift or anything in, in quarter, quarter midgets. midgets. But he did such a phenomenal job. So he went out there the first day and practiced, and the guy from the A Speedway comes and said, you know, because he was 11, you know, they, no, nobody races that young. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, he can race this weekend. I see what I see today. He can race this weekend. I said, no, he can't. <laughs> I said, back it on up. <laughs> no, 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 no. But eventually, about three weeks later, he did. He raced, and he finished seventh in his first race. Wow. He had a pole at 11. Um, he won his first limited late model pole at 11. He won five pro late model races at 12. I mean, wait a minute, five pro late model poles at 12 and two races at Dillon Motor Speedway, the next step up in speed. And then this year, he's run the pro and supercar at 13, and he was the youngest ever winner in the Wayland NASCAR Series in New Smyrna. Uh, he ran, uh, he won two races down there at the World Series of Asphalt. Wow. So and he's just 13? He just turned 14 this week. Just 14. Wow. But that was, he was just 13 yes. when he started. He's, and so he ran the pro races. He's run CRA's youngest ever to qualify and race there. And, uh, you know, it, I don't know, it just blows my mind what, kids can do yeah you know you don't you just I'm with you yeah uh, Carson uh, just turned 14 a couple weeks ago and she's been running the uh, mini outlaw sprint type I cars see on Twitter since she was yes. nine. that's awesome and it was okay in the beginning in the box stocks and running with um, you know other eight yeah. nine and ten year olds doing the same thing much like quarter midget yeah. uh, but when she moved this year into the open division and racing with 25 to 40 year oh, old males it's crazy she's 100 pounds yes. 13 years old and I'm like wow and I I still can't really put my finger other than just to say I'm her mom but the difference in watching my dad and my brother my mm -hmm. other brother my yes. nephew Jeffrey whoever yeah uh, I don't get nervous about that um, right and even have lost my dad you know right in, in this sport 
but there is something about your child that it, it's um, all it is excruciating it's ter- yeah it's terrible they're thinking about <laughs> testing a late model soon oh and, gosh oh. well i i will tell i mean they make fun of me so badly because when he's racing i'm a nervous wreck and i could sit and watch i mean it wasn't like i wasn't nervous when jeff was running yeah. or excited or anything but i could at least sit down you know and do my job yeah but I don't have enough willpower to do a job while, while he's you're racing. watching Harrison. <laughs> I can't stand it. And it's like what you're saying. He's racing against grown-ups that he races, well, Eric Jones, mm-hmm. Bubba Pollard, Augie Grill. He raced Chase last yeah. year, Chase Elliott. Um, he got to race Bill Elliott and wow. Chase in the same race. Cool. Was, I mean, how amazing is that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because, I mean, I don't know how many more races Bill will do right right but um yeah he raced sterling marlin at nashville so it is it's crazy and you're thinking the you know this doesn't make any sense but when you see them do it and they do a good job you know then you're like okay i can't really say no you can't tell them no exactly if he'd have gone out there and like (laughs) not looked okay we would have been like whoa (laughs) and not every kid 13 can do what you know carson and harrison does you know it's 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 not as easy as it looks. No, it's not. I know I couldn't do it. I tried I know to do you it did. there for several years. You did, but you were it good, was, though. I, I enjoyed it, and I'm and just sitting here thinking about what you're saying about racing about uh, against all these drivers, and the same thing was happening for for me in the mid-'90s. I was actually racing 93, 4, 5, mm-hmm. 6, racing against Dennis Setzer, oh, yeah. Max Presswood, yeah. Barry Beggarly. Oh, we uh, raced them. Right. Jeff raced them, yes. And, I mean, they were, you know, they were my peers, my elders yeah. um, as a 20-year-old. And they were, you know, 40 or 45 or whatever. Dexter Knife. There's just so many. Yeah. And Pete so Silva, good so good at it. And, yeah. and then, you know, you would beat yourself up because you, I, I didn't beat those people. But looking back, I'm like, they, I mean, they had years oh, and yeah. years of experience on me. Yeah. You know? It's so true. So when I look back at it, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I did pretty good. You did. You know? I know. I did. <laughs> I had heard and, that um, you did race well. It's like, wow. But, uh, it well, was I don't have that. But Different I, for women back then. Oh, yeah. Oh, participate for in the sure. Sport. Was, for sure. Uh, went on to uh, carve my hand in business. And, and I, I enjoy what I do. I look back and I think, gosh, what could have been? But, you know, mm-hmm. I got a lot going on now that I really enjoy. So Yeah, that's awesome. So you also are executive vice president of what is now HB and M Sports, sports, uh, formerly Pro Sports Management. Yeah, and is is that something that you started and got involved Um, in? Well, George Harris, my our partner, uh, my partner really. um, (laughs) He was one of the men who worked with Jeff on some of his sponsorship stuff early on, and they formed a relationship. He has a company in Philadelphia, HB&M, and it's really big. It's got a lot of um, employees and a lot of clients, and and he wanted to spin off a southern branch. And so he approached Jeff, and Jeff said, I, I really can't do this. A, I don't, A, have time, but B, it's conflict of interest. You know, I, I have to be careful of what I'm doing here. And so, but talk to my wife. So he did, and... That's where it stands. I don't really work day to day on yeah. their stuff. Um, I'm not a marketing person at all. I'm a business, more business person. That's me. Um, and <laughs> I understand that. I, 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 you know, the things like how, like, and I'm the terrible salesperson. Yeah, I'm me a too. terrible salesperson. I'm very analytical, very black yes. and white. Yes. I don't. The gray areas just spin me out. So me, <laughs> so me. Science and math. You know, I'm not English. Yes. <laughs> um, so, so I, I'm more of a directional person, mm-hmm. and with them, and and you know, what is our, what's our goal, what's our direction, who, who are we going to hire? Kind of strategic. Kind of yeah, yeah. Very strategic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But That's not day to day. Yeah. Not creative. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then I can come up with something creative, but it's few and far between. I don't <laughs> Very <know>. few. <laughs> so what do you and Jeff do in your free time? Mm. Now that you have a little free time on your hands. You know, I thought <laughs> when he was not going to race, I would have so much more time at home. But I really don't because Harrison races about 32, 35 races a year. Or, well, this is our first real year. Right. (laughs) True true year. And And that's going to change next year. So (laughs) we'll be. Um, But, and then Paige and I horse show, you know, and when we horse show, it's uh, usually, we do some one-week shows, but a lot of two-week shows. And then wintertime, 
a lot of times we'll be in Florida on the weekends for um, uh, like three months. Wow. We go to the WEF, Wellington, and uh, the uh, Winter Equestrian Festival down there and show down there. That's where all the best in the country go. And uh, so we do we do that. And I'm, I'm just, you know, we now with having turned my stable a little bit into a business, have to be there more you know yeah. how that is yes yes um um and so i've just i've just not had as much fair, spare time as i thought i would but <laughs> when we do we like to go to our beach house we have a beach house and we enjoy that and the bahamas and fishing you know if we can you like the fishing i don't like the fishing yeah I they like well the fishing but i like the beach yeah. and the sun and the sand and <laughs> the water too. They can cook the fish, yeah. and I'll eat it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can catch the fish. Catch the fish, yeah. Yeah, and I'll eat it. But. What is Paige studying in college? She's right now in business, but okay. she said, Mom, I don't, you know, she doesn't really, you know how it is when you're young. Mm. You know, she really wants to run a barn. She wants to be in some sort of equestrian business. So I said, well, you know, we can give you all the equestrian experience you need, but you need business experience so that's what she's going to do so if she can make it through the math part <laughs> then that's what she'll stay in but she also says you know hey i, I don't i'm going to keep my horizons open and this is a liberal arts school she goes to high point okay yep and uh so they have a lot of different offerings there yeah so we'll, see. I, well give her some hope i started out as a criminal justice major because i was really into the investigative yeah. kind of piece of it quickly decided that mm, this was pretty narrow focus yeah. so i changed to business failed cost accounting Uh-oh. failed economics <laughs> and i think i'm doing a pretty good you job are, so give yeah. her you know she's got exactly. some so so it's not <laughs> like all hope. you know i think yeah. businesses you know that's it's such a broad yeah. thing that you can use in so many exactly. disciplines it, you and you, it is it really is relevant to anything you're yeah. doing yeah and um yeah. And anymore, people want you just to have a college education. Yeah, they pretty much don't care There's what it's in. There's people that have history <laughs> degrees that are in some other, you yep. know, total avenue. Yep. And as long as you are trained and you're doing your job yeah. and you're educated. I think what we're beginning to see, and, and I'm figuring this out with Carson uh, being in ninth grade, is that really the focus of the material in school mm-hmm. is not as important as the responsibility that goes along right. with, you know, getting totally. your work done and, and, you know, all that time kind of thing. Management. Yeah, time management. And also problem solving. Yes. That's yeah. huge. A- analytical thought and complex thought because, yeah. y- you know, I mean, we have Google. Why do we need to memorize anything anymore? <laughs> right. Like when we were growing up, up, well, maybe I, you're younger. No, me too. Yeah. But when I was growing up you know they didn't have you had to go to an encyclopedia britannica yeah right Forget exactly that. there's no who knows what that is yeah that we don't even have I, we had a whole encyclopedia yeah. set in our home you know yes yeah and that was so amazing like yes. we were so lucky to have that because yes. when you had a paper you could go and get that information otherwise you had to drive to the library forget yeah <laughs> forget that now you just type it in like your my dad calls yeah. it the magic box <laughs> type it in your magic box you know he's 73 it amazes him what comes out of the magic box right <laughs> yeah the kids grandparents call them apple gadgets look up on your apple gadget and see what it says Exactly. (laughs) if you listened last week i mentioned that a fan asked if the charlie soap product was safe to clean stainless steel and i and i told you that we'd look into that the the product that we used amanda you you tried it out at home right the kitchen and bath cleaner yeah i went on their website and uh, it had a list of like almost everything under the sun that you could clean in your kitchen and your bathroom but i couldn't find stainless steel so i was like well I'll go just try it, it myself. Whirl. I probably should have tested a small sm- uh, small spot. Instead, I just like spritzed it all over my dishwasher. And I thought, oh, man, if this doesn't work out, I'm in trouble. But it cleaned it off. And that I, that's also where I have like my dish towel. So when I go to reach for it, it had a bunch of like water streaks down it. Cleaned them right off. Didn't streak. Didn't have to like put Windex or anything on afterwards. So it worked. So it works. So now, you know, you can clean your stainless steel with the kitchen and bath cleaner from Charlie Soap. And then also on Twitter, we had a question from Kristen Lepley, uh, who wanted to know if the kitchen and bath cleaner was safe to use to clean the inside of your fridge. And, and of course, the answer is yes, because all of the products are safe and non-toxic. And I saw that we answered her on Twitter. And then Charlie Soap even replied to her and said that it was safe to use on the food services. So if you do have a question about their products, you can send them our way. We'll make sure you get an answer. You know, talk to us on Twitter. I, I'd love to see more interaction on Twitter and Facebook about yeah. The, yeah. the products and we can go back and forth and, and start becoming, uh, you know, a testimonial place for <laughs> the use of the products. So 
Uh, remember that you can purchase all the Charlie Soap products on their website at charliesoap.com, and you can also use the store locator to find a local retailer near you. It's time for Ask Kelly. Remember that you can submit your questions on my Twitter, Earnhardt Kelly, using the hashtag Ask Kelly, and you can also submit them on my Facebook page, Kelly K. Earnhardt. J.D. Spencer on Facebook wants to know, what's the first thing you would do if you were a member of the opposite sex for one day? <laughs> this is a funny, great question. <laughs> I think I would probably go to the restroom and tinkle all over the floor first <laughs> so that some female would have to clean it up. <laughs> I don't, I mean, honestly, I don't really know what I would do if I was uh, a male for the day. I would want to know what it's like to walk around shirtless in public and not have oh, anybody yeah. think anything of, of it, it, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one because the <laughs> I'm, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm like, yeah, all the contradictions between what guys can get away with versus what girls can mm-hmm. get away with, not just the shirt thing, but yeah, there's there's tons of that there's kind of stuff. But yeah, I think I'd just go make some messes first for somebody to clean up. <laughs> Next question is from Lee Ann, or Leah Ann23. What tracks would you recommend for a fan to attend? A great question. There are, there's some great tracks out there. I think it depends, I guess, on what viewpoint you're looking at this. If you're looking at it from the standpoint of the competition on the racetrack, you know, places like Bristol, it's a phenomenal place to go watch a race. Um, you know, your short tracks, Martinsville is a really fun place, I think, to watch the race. If you're looking out in the area from just kind of a, a cool and, and great place to go, I like Chicago. The actual town, the city of Chicago mm-hmm. is kind of a little bit further away from the track, yeah. but, um, you know, Vegas, obviously Vegas is a is a great town and and going to the races there are pretty fun gosh I mean really there's not a race that I wouldn't recommend going to because I think for for fans that live experience at the track is unlike any other but but there are a few that you know from depends on what angle you're looking at the that are that are some great places to go one thing on the tracks that I would recommend and, and this doesn't have anything to do with the Nationwide or Cup schedules but you listeners out there, go support your local tracks. You know, that that racing at a local level at the NASCAR regional tracks is so important for the for the people that are up and coming in our sport. And it's so important for those tracks to be viable and relevant in NASCAR. They're such important pieces to us that go support, you know, go out and support your track in your area and, and watch those races too, not just the, the big NASCAR races. Amy Slocum on Facebook, would you ever consider writing an autobiography about your life? Would I ever consider writing an autobiography? You know, I've thought about that on occasion and probably just really getting to a point in my life that I would be okay with this. And what I mean by that is just... I feel kind of grown up now and um, that I've I've lived through the death of my father in the sport and the years that it kind of took to, to get that in perspective, going through all of the transition with Teresa and our stepmother and leaving Dell and Hart Incorporated. There, there just seemed to be such big emotional decisions going on in my life that, that now things are kind of leveled out and I can look back on all those experiences and put that in perspective to where I think I could do something like that. But I don't know that I'm ready yet, uh, only because I think there's, you know, a lot more chapters to unfold and develop. So I don't think that I'm quite ready to to put pen to paper on an autobiography, but I have considered it. I think it'd be a cool deal. My show is not my show unless I get a good Dale Earnhardt story. And because you and Jeff, whoa, can you think of one? I can yes. tell you a great one. Okay, perfect. He cost me a lot of money. I can tell you that. <laughs> there are a lot of stories about your dad, um, you know, definitely um, coming up. But one, he taught me, me a lot about the power of your private time. You know, he really did. Um Jeff worked on me. You know, your dad loved yachting. Yes. Fishing boats yes. and yachting. And Jeff has, you know, always loved that. And when we we were younger, um, he, he just dreamt of having this, this motor yacht, you know, and we could go and the kids were little. Travel the seas. Yes. And I just couldn't imagine spending that money. I just was like so nervous about it. I mean, it was always... And your dad would constantly needle me 
when you're gonna let that boy buy his boat you know how he would talk you know and he, he's very per persuasive yes. you know and <laughs> you know we were like in awe of him too. if he wasn't persuasive he was just telling you what the hell to do exactly <laughs> right exactly and you know most time everybody listened yep, right yep, yep. <laughs> so but you know we were walking down and it was um it was the year that he passed away and it was actually that day the daytona race and he you know i just i i just said we just can't do it it's too expensive and all of this but he put his arm around me walking down pit road and he whispered in my ear and said look you need to let that boy buy that boat you're gonna have some amazing fun times on it i don't remember the exact words yeah. he used but he said you need to let him buy that boat and uh and he hit me you know patted me on the shoulder and walked off well then he passed away and I was thinking to myself, you know, who cares if we're broke afterwards, right? Seriously. I mean, let's take that time and enjoy it. And and I literally... When that whole moment of a day's yes. time, you, you, you saw how quickly it, it can, can go be away. gone. Right. Exactly. Right. And that and that's that an honest truth. So we signed the papers about two or three months later on wow. our boat. How about that? And enjoyed that boat. It was some of the, one of the best decisions I ever made, um... Not monetarily, because this is like a car. No. <laughs> as soon as you drive it out, they <laughs> depreciate. But we had some of the best family time. Now, not just Jeff's and my immediate family, but all of his parents, my parents, sisters, nephews. Yeah. And we were able to, you know, they could never have experienced that um, without us doing that. Wow. You know. Cool. You can really get away. Yeah. on a boat in and the Bahamas get out. yes and your, your cell see? phones don't work and oh yeah <laughs> we would go to Harbor Island and see we'd know they you know Sunday monies yeah. golf cart was there yeah you know and all that and very fun yeah. we're good uh the listeners just really enjoy hearing those stories and I enjoy them because there's yeah. so many that I haven't heard uh, that's neat. people forget you know I was just a kid growing up under this gigantic umbrella of Dell Earnhardt and I wasn't taking in, you know, and yeah. appreciating well, so much. It was my dad, you know, and it was just yeah. normal. I mean, so I love hearing these stories. and I can totally back. get that because I think when it's going on, I mean, even now that I look back on Jeff's career and our life in the sport, it's just normal. Yeah. You know, it's not, you know, and you, you don't really take the time to sit back mm -hmm. and say, gosh, wow, what, what we have accomplished right here. you know and um and then when it's over you're like how did it get over so fast right you know yeah someone asked me yesterday a fan said what was it like growing up in Earnhardt and I said well I don't know anything else I right. don't know what to compare it to I mean growing up as an Earnhardt for me was what it was and yeah and I don't know how to compare it to growing up as a Smith or a Jones or a Miller or whatever it is right you it's know all different Yep, you know? it isn't, and it's your reality. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like my so. kids, the same thing, you know. It's their reality. That's their dad, and they don't look at him as Jeff Burton, the race car driver. Right. They yeah. look at him as dad. That's dad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm very excited that you guys have got to, it seems like you've been able to do so many family things uh, this year. And yeah the prom and graduations and all of those special moments to have your parents involved yeah. in that you timing is sometimes perfect right yeah yeah something you know uh, doesn't ever you know life isn't always fair <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily work out as maybe you would want it but you got to take the positives out of everything yeah well, it's been great having you, and again, just appreciate all your candor and Thank very you. delightful. Thank you for having me. Yep. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of Fast Lane Family, presented by Charlie Soap. Thanks for listening to Dirty Mo Radio. I appreciate everyone tuning in to Fast Lane Family, presented by Charlie Soap today. Now go visit charliesoap.com and check out their unbelievable line of cleaning products. Tackle some of your toughest cleaning projects and help support this wonderful sponsor of Dirty Mo Radio. Again, that's charliesoap.com.